Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? How many can testify to the goodness of God? Amen. That all of his li- all of our lives he's been so good to us. Amen. God just displays his goodness in so many different ways and sometimes we ignore it, but God has always been good to us in every area of our life. We praise him for that. It's always good to be here to worship. Amen. To be here to gather together and worship as we continue to worship as we open up the word of God. You can open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 and hopefully you have your message outline ready to go this morning to go through the outline uh in 2007 something crazy happened something that really changed our world and and as we know it you probably don't even realize it but it happened in 2007 by a guy named justin justin graduated from a, a university just a few years early at stanford university with a degree in mathematics at the age of 20 years old and so now he goes to li- uh, work for this young company a few years later called Facebook. How many of you know Facebook? He worked for Facebook. As a young 24-year-old, you know what he invented? The thumbs up. The like button. The like button. He invented the like button. And it's something that had never been done before. Some of you probably don't know a world without the love like button, right? Everything's about the like button on Facebook, and they love that. And that's what Justin accomplished. He has no idea what he did. What he did it, it was the like button. Everybody likes. And he doesn't work for Facebook anymore. But his, but today, when he buys a new phone, he gives it to his administrative assistant, and she takes his new phone and she blocks him from adding new, any apps on it. And he says, because in his life he's limited to how much he can spend on social media, because it's really destroyed his life. Social media has, and, and that's doesn't surprise you, does it? That's the world in which we live. It's not shocking to many of us in the world in which we live. But I was thinking to myself, when does that happen in our lives? When does it happen in that development as we're growing up where we need to have the thumbs up from everyone, where we need to get the applause from other people, we need to get that encouragement, way to go, good job. When does that happen in our lives? When our children are little and they get in sports, I have grandkids in sports, and my uh, daughter, she'll send send us pictures of, of our grandkids running around in sports. But one of the things when they're in sports, either on a court or out in the field, and they're running, what they would do, it's many times they're just stopping in the middle of the field, and they're stopping to see where mom and dad is. And they want to see if mom and dad are watching, and they get their approval, the thumbs up. Way to go, you're doing a good job, right? They want that. But here, here's the thing. We all like to be seen, don't we? We all like to be acknowledged. Every one of us do. But we like the thumbs up on Facebook. We all love that. And, and I notice now, even when people are texting me, I'll get the thumbs up from from that. People are texting me with thumbs up, and I'm like, what, what is that? They're telling me they received what they've sent them. Are they like it, or I did a good job, or something? Everybody thinks they got to give this thumbs up. How many have received that? On, even on a text, you receive that. And that gives us the satisfaction that, right, we did a good job. And we love that satisfaction. The thumbs up on Facebook. Yet some of you, if you were honest, you say, boy, I, I love that. And I love when I get 10, 20, 30 people to say, good job, right? But today, I want to make sure that we get our satisfaction from our Heavenly Father. That's where we need to get our true satisfaction. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to Matthew chapter 6. We're studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount uh, in our series called The Heart of Jesus. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters what? 5, 6, and 7. Remember that. So if someone's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever to be preached is in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 by Jesus. Now to set the stage, this is Jesus' first public sermon. But before he spoke this, he said, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. Can you picture the scene? where he's calling his disciples, each one of them, I want you to come and follow me. They had no idea what that meant yet, but they did. 
They left everything, and they followed Jesus, left their jobs, left their homes, left their families, left their friends to follow Jesus, and they went to follow him. And now they're on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is sitting there with his disciples, with a large crowd. Some of them are not believers yet in Jesus, and probably in that crowd are some Pharisees, some some scribes, some religious leaders. And he starts to teach them. He says, if you want to follow me, this is what it's going to look like. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, this is what it means. That's what the Sermon on the Mount's all about. This whole series is for you and I to understand the heart of Jesus. When we understand the heart of Jesus to bring our lives and our hearts in line with his. Amen? That's what we want. That's what we want. So it is the first public sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, where he's given it. And he's sharing what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to follow him in the way of Jesus. Last week we talked about Jesus said, you see those Pharisees? You see those scribes? If you want to enter heaven, your righteousness has to be greater than theirs. We talked about that last week. Today we start in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And Jesus is going to make a statement in Matthew 1. It's kind of a thesis statement. And everything we're going to be reading about is support of this statement in verse 1. So let's read the statement in verse 1, which is our memory verse. Matthew 6, verse 1. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Acts of righteousness, just so you understand, is like good works, the good things that we do, those good works that we do, he's talking about. And the big idea that I really want you to see this morning is live for the rewards of God and not the recognition of people. Live for the rewards of God and not the recognition of people. When your kids were little, I talked about that, they, and they're in that sports activity on the field or on the court, and they're running, they look up for mom and dad to get their attention, to make sure they're watching them, to get their approval, get their thumbs up, and that's all good. Children need that, right? Our children need that. But what happens sometimes as we get older in our own lives, we still look around for the approval of others. We still want people to like us, right? We, we still want that. We still want to do what pleases other people in our lives, and we're looking for that. They hear the good job. They hear the thumbs up. They hear the way to go. We want that from other people. But we, we see other people do that. We see the other people looking for the applause of people to see that. They get the thumbs up on Facebook, and the more thumbs up you can get on Facebook, the better it makes you feel, right? Let's be honest, especially younger people. You love that thumbs up on Facebook. Then I only get one or two, but 10, 20, 30, or 40. Boy, that's wonderful that all these people like what you say. But the reality is, not just that our children struggle with it, and other, others struggle with that, we all struggle with that, don't we? We want to be noticed. We want to be liked by people. Even pastors struggle with that. They want everyone to like them because if they don't like them, maybe they're going to leave the church or something like that. So everybody wants to be liked. We all struggle with that. We want to be liked. And therefore, what happens sometimes is we, we try to please people. And sometimes it can cause us to compromise on our walk with Jesus. Compromise our walk. Compromise our talk, our lives, our worship because we don't put God first. We begin to care more about what other people are saying, what other people are doing, than what it is that what God wants us. And what we have to do is to pray and ask God, God, align my heart with yours, because that's what matters. That we come and say, God, I need you, because my applause should come from you and you alone. That's the applause that I seek, right? That's what we want, the applause from God. That I love you more than anything, and, and I want to follow the way of Jesus. I want to be obedient to your word, and I want to love people. I want to love people like Jesus loves them. Amen? That's what you want, right? To love people the way he did, because that's what he wants. That you and I don't make decisions based on whether people like it or not. And you may say you don't, 
But watch yourself. Many times we make decisions based on whether people like it. And, and it's, not what the, it's not what the crowd says. It's not that I'm, I, I have to do it. I'm going to get the thumbs up on Facebook, that I live for the thumbs up on Facebook and, and, and on my text that everyone would agree with me. Jesus in this passage is really important. He's going to give us two ways, two ways to align our heart with Jesus in terms of our acts of righteousness. He's talking about here. And we do our acts of righteousness. He goes two ways to align our hearts with Jesus. And the first one is resist the temptation to be seen by people when we do our acts of righteousness. Resist the temptation to be seen by people. And I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to skip over the passage we're looking at today. We read certain verse to get a certain thought that Jesus has given us. But it's very important for us to see this. In verse 2, let's read. So Jesus says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. Down in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. Down to verse 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, they like to be, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Skip all the way down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. So Jesus is challenging them as us as well to resist the temptation to be seen by men when we're doing our acts of righteousness, when we're, when we're doing those good works. Resist the temptation to be seen by others, is what he's saying. And he uses a, a specific word, the word hypocrite. And maybe we've misread this passage our whole lives, thinking what a hypocrite is. Because if I asked you, how would you define what a hypocrite is inside the church, you would say, it probably is someone that goes to church and act like a church person when they're in church, but when they leave church, they act different. They act like the people of the world. You can't tell them different from anybody in the world, right? And that's how many people would define hypocrite. Or it's that person that has that fish on their car, that Jesus fish, that Christian symbol, that fish in their car. But they're driving in and out of traffic, weaving, screaming and hollering, rolling down the window, making all kind of gestures to everyone, right? It's that person. It's that normally we would think as a hypocrite is the person that kind of says they're spiritual and holy, but they're acting the opposite of that, right? That's what we normally think. And it's true in some way. But what does the Bible have to say about a hypocrite? As we're reading the Gospel of Matthew, that's not the description Jesus has given at all. He doesn't give that at all. Jesus has given the example of the Pharisees and the scribes, he says, who are the best at following the rules. They're the best rule keepers. They're the best at following the law and all those kind of things. What does Jesus say? He says, these are people... They're doing the religious acts. They're doing all those things they're supposed to be doing, all those spiritual acts. They're fasting. They are praying. They are giving. They're doing all, they, all, all those things, and they're doing them well. Don't think they're not doing them well. They're doing them well, and so it's not that they're not doing them. That's not what he's talking about. But the things they are doing, he said, it's, not, it's the condition of their heart. So being a hypocrite is the condition of your heart. That makes all the difference. I can be doing those things, but if my heart's not right, I'm a hypocrite. So if you're here today and you look into the mirror and you think, man, I'm doing all I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm in good shape, right? I, I, I'm over here giving faithfully my tithe, my full tithe. I give to the needy. When I see someone in need, I give to them. I fast, I pray, I serve. I'm doing all those things. If that's you, this passage should cause you to pause for a moment 
and look at yourself and examine yourself and to see, does my heart align with Jesus' teaching? Does my heart align with following the way of Jesus when it comes to spiritual disciplines and what he's talking about here in this passage right here? When he's not only talking to all of them, he's talking to us today. Am I doing it with the right motive? So others, so I can be seen by others and receive the praise of others? Or am I doing it to honor and glorify God? What am I doing? We need to all ask ourselves, right? We should give to the needy, something Jesus said we should all do. He calls us to do. But Jesus said when we do it, he says, do not announce it with trumpets. And there's many theologians and historians will debate over this. But most of them will say what Jesus was saying, what we would say today is, don't toot your own horn when you're doing it, right? Because you gave money or, or you gave to the needy or something like that. Don't do those things with strings attached. Don't do those things so other people can see you do them. He says, do those things in secret to glorify God. That's what we do with them. Not so everyone could see it, to glorify God. So Jesus is saying, check your heart. It's all about your heart. Check your heart. This isn't about bringing glory to ourselves. This is about bringing glory to God, is what he's saying. And then Jesus moves on to praying in verses 5 through 15. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in praying because next week the whole message is going to be about prayer. We're going to focus on prayer. But Jesus is, I want to mention, Jesus isn't talking about our posture either in verse 5 where he mentions about, about posture. That one posture is better than the other. He's not talking about that. You read in your Bibles. You know in your Bibles there are sometimes where people will be praying, laying face down, crying out to God. And that's good. There's sometimes people will be in the Bible to be on their knees crying out to God, right? And that's good. And sometimes people will be praying or have their holy hands lifted up, praying to God, crying out to God. And that's, that's good. So Jesus isn't saying that one posture is better than others. He's not saying it at all. He's not always saying that, not picking location. He's saying that, that you can't pray in the street corners. He's not saying that. Or you, or you got to pray in the synagogue back then, but today it would be the church. He's not saying that. He's not saying you can't pray in your cars. He's not saying it at all. What he is talking about is the posture of your hearts. He's interested in your heart. In this case, what the hypocrites were doing, they would, they would intentionally go onto the street corners and they would begin to pray. So everybody would look at them and say, wow, look how holy they are. And Jesus said that when you do that, you have received your reward in full. You've received a good job, thumbs up, way to go, way to go. The pat on the back, he says, that's your reward in full. There will be no reward in heaven for you for doing it, what you just did. You've received it in full when you're doing it for that. And so resist the temptation to be seen by people when we are doing our acts of righteousness, when we're doing the good deeds, the good works that we've been called to do. Next, Jesus moves on talking about fasting in verse 16. Uh, when it comes to the Pharisees, we know they're very intentional about their giving. They're very intentional about their praying, but they're also very intentional about fasting. In Luke 18, verse 12, Jesus tells a story that, that the Pharisees made sure they fasted twice a week. So it's not about how much you fast, but maybe you're here and you don't even know what spiritual fasting is. Biblical fasting, what is it? Biblical fasting is the time that you prepare to make food, eat the food, and clean up a after the food. You, instead of doing that, you take the time where you're just going to come before God and say, God, I hunger and I thirst for you. And you use that time to get in the Word of God, to pray, where I'm getting to know Him more. I'm drawing closer to him. That's what I use that time. The Pharisees, that's not what was happening. The religious leaders and the Pharisees, the hypocrites weren't doing that. What they were doing, their fasting, they would kind of suck their cheeks in, pull them in, say, look, malnutrition, 
and they would kind of uh, not wash their face, not comb their hair, and put sackcloth on. So people would look at them and say, what is going on with you? Well, I'm fasting for God. And they would think they're so holy. Yeah, I'm fasting because I'm so holy. I'm fasting because I'm so righteous. I'm such a righteous person. That's why I'm doing it. And Jesus was saying, you need to check your hearts. You need to check your hearts. Are you looking for the praise of other people is what he's saying. Is that what you're looking for? So Jesus was saying, and this is very important, we can all be hypocrites even when we're doing the right things. We have to check our hearts. We can all be hypocrites even when we're doing good things. Because it's not about the good things, it's about our heart. Between a hypocrite or not. Are we doing it for ourselves to be the praise of men? And it's a very fine line. Are we doing it for the praise of God to honor and glorify Him? And that's what he's talking about here. Let me just say, you can't be guilty of that sin of trying, of impressing other people if you're not doing it in the first place, right? Does that make sense? You can't be guilty of that sin if I'm not uh, helping the needy or giving or anything. If you're not doing it, you can't be guilty of that sin of trying to praise other people. Jesus doesn't say, if you pray. What does he say? He says, when you pray. It's not an option. As followers of Jesus, there are some spiritual disciplines that you and I are called to do that are not options for us to do. So he's, he says, given to the needy or giving. He doesn't say if. He says, when you give. So it's not an option for any of us. We're to do that. When it comes to praying, it's not an option for the follower of Jesus. When you pray, we're all called to do it. Even when it comes to fasting, it's not an option. Because when you fast, you're to do these things. This is how you're to do it. When you do it. Let's go back to verse 1, our memory verse. He warns us. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness. And what he's talking about is giving, praying, fasting, or any other spiritual discipline you might do. Any other works, good works. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen of them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven, is what he's saying. One of the things we have to ask ourselves is, where's the condition of our hearts? Where's our heart? Because that's what Jesus is interested in. When it comes to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they were often looked as the enemies of Jesus, right? Jesus said you were whitewashed tombs. He says, not outside you look clean, you look beautiful, but in the inside you're like dead man's bones, you're unclean. You're dead on the inside spiritually. A horrible place to be in. But think about this. Inside the church, as Christians, who are we most critical of? It's usually those in the world, the unbelievers. We, we say, oh boy, if they would only believe this, if they would only read this, if they would only follow this, if they would only know this, if they'd only do this or do that, then things would be different. But here's the thing. If we follow the example of Jesus, what we're going to find, not only are we supposed to draw closer to Jesus, but we're supposed to draw closer to one another. That's what he's saying. Draw closer to Jesus, but draw closer to one another. That's why it's so important to be here in church and every Sunday to do that. Be here, uh, be involved in a small group, because those are the opportunities where we draw close to one another, right? Where we worship together. We pray together. We fellowship together. We build each other up. We lean on each other. We have all these things that we're doing. Else. This is where we get our encouragement, building each other's up. And so when we leave here, we're able to show the love of Jesus for the sake of the gospel. That's what he wants. But that all happens as we're meeting together. Because out there in the world, we kind of lose our boldness. 
We lose the encouragement for the way the world beats us up. So we come to church, we come to those small groups to be encouraged, to be built up, to be encouraged to do those things, praying about that together, fellowshipping together, worshiping together, growing together, all those things. So when we leave here, we can show the love of Jesus to the world who desperately needs it and need to hear the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. So be honest with yourself. Where are you? Where's your heart? When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to your heart, when it comes to doing these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines that Jesus calls us to do, check your motive. Are you doing those disciplines for the praise of other people? How are you doing them? Or maybe you're here, you don't know Jesus yet because you have questions and you're, you're seeking answers and stuff like that. Or maybe you've never given your life to Jesus because you ran into a person who said they were a Christian and they weren't living the way they were supposed to live, right? They weren't doing the things they were supposed to do. And they said they believe one thing, but that's not what they are. They're hypocrites. They say they're all these holy and just things, but they just turned you and others off from what they were doing. And it just turned you away from Christianity because there was a Christian who was a hypocrite in front of you. My challenge to you, don't let your faith journey uh, be stopped by someone else's struggle. None of us arrive. You're not going to meet a Christian where you're going to come and say, boy, they've arrived. They're perfect. None of us have arrived. We'll have plenty of room to grow, right? We're all going to fall. We're all going to still sin. That's not a good thing. We don't praise and applaud that. We're going to do that. So you're not going to meet a Christian and say, they've got it all together. There might be some that are more mature than others, but none of us are perfect. So don't face your Christianity. I'm not going to come to Jesus because, boy, that one let me down. You're going to find that in church. You're going to find that with Christians. The only one who won't let you down is Jesus. But here's the truth I want to tell you about it that he loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. But because we're all sinners, and everyone in this room is a sinner, including myself, and because of our sins, and a God who's holy, just, perfect in all his ways, and righteous, we are separated from God. He's in another category. And there's no way you and I can approach that holy, just, righteous God all on our own. So we're helpless and hopeless in our condition, separated from God. Every one of us are. And so God knew this. The only one that could fix it was God. So God sent his son, Jesus, who's God, who's the son of God. He left the throne room of heaven, and he came down, and he took on the form of humanity to become 100% God, because he's God, and he's 100% man. He's the only one who could do that. The only one who's like that is Jesus. The only one who could do what he's going to do for you and I. And he lived this life perfectly. What it means, he never sinned. And so he's able to go to the cross, and on that cross— God placed all of your sins, past, present, and future, the sins of the whole world, and Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He took your place. He paid your sin debt. He was your substitute. That's the grace, the marvelous, wonderful, magnificent grace of God displayed on that cross for you. But just knowing about it doesn't do anything for you. The Bible says that you and I have to accept what he did by faith. In other words, we come to the point and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We're a sinner, and I'm separated from you. And I'm helpless and hopeless in my condition. And I know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's God, right? And he died on the cross for my sins. And today, I accept that finished work that Jesus died for my sins upon the cross by faith. I trust him as my Savior. If you've never done that, please do that today. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you have questions, please see me. It's not the prayer that saves you. The prayer just drives a stake in the ground. It's, it's the faith in believing who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, he's God, and what he did, that he died on the cross for your sins. Jesus saves, not a prayer. Jesus saves, right? If you don't know him, please put your faith and trust in him. 
that will determine where you will spend eternity. For Jesus says, I am the way. He says, it's not me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus was saying he's the only way to heaven. He's the truth about heaven. He's the truth. And he's the only one that gives eternal life. It's found through Jesus. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus. So put your faith and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of sin. That's what God wants. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he sent Jesus so we could have that. If you have questions, please see me. The second way to wind your heart with Jesus, value deeds only seen by God. Value deeds only seen by God. We're going to go over this same section again, but, but I'm going to read different verses to give you the other side of this, okay? So let's read verse 3 and 4. Jesus says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 6 through 8. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 17 and 18. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it would not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We see that over and over. Will reward you if you do these things. The second thing Jesus says to us, to, it challenges his followers, meaning us today, challenged us to value deeds only seen by the Father, only seen by God. Do those things that's only seen by him. This is going to be the positive side with reward. The other was a negative. This is the positive side with reward. The first thing he talks about is giving to the needy. And he says here, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing, right? And that's, this is my left. It's your guys, the other side. But anyway, you know, left hand, see what the right hand is doing. And maybe you look at that and say, it's kind of weird because my hands can't see, right? And then he says here, you're supposed to give in secret. And maybe you say, boy, I give a line and my name's there so they know who's giving. Or maybe you write out a check and my name's on the check so they're going to see that so they know I'm giving. So we're only supposed to give in cash. Is that all we're supposed to do so I can give in secret? When I, when I have to give to those in need, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to wear a ski mask so no one can see me? Am I supposed to go and give to people and then run and get away from where they can see me? Obviously, that's not what Jesus is talking about, if we think that's what it is. It, it's the condition of the heart. We can give online. We can give a check. We can give to the needy. All those kind of things. What Jesus is saying is check your heart. That's what he's interested in. This isn't about impressing people. This isn't about the like button on Facebook. This isn't about the applause of people. This is to say, Lord, the thing that I hold in my hand that shines, that thing that I have, that, that money, all those things that I have, it's saying, Lord, I trust you more than that thing that shines. It's you, God, that I worship. It's you that I honor. And I put you first in my life, not that thing that shines. It's you, God, I worship. It's you. It's you alone. And so we come there, and we say that to him. Then when it comes to fasting, I think one of the things as Christians, we take away, we go way and beyond what it, as Christians, what fasting is. I, I can't even tell my spouse I'm fasting, right? That we have to be secret agents in our fasting. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here at all, to be secret agents. It's a place where we say, God, I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. That's what, I, that's what I'm chasing. That's what I'm after. Lord, it's not the thing I put in my mouth. It's not the loaf of bread that I worship. Lord, I worship you and you alone who as I worship. I trust you and you alone. That's what it's saying. 
And sometimes those hunger pains that God gives us in our stomachs, and maybe your stomach's growling this morning, you didn't eat breakfast, it's, it, it's remind us how much I'm supposed to ye- ache and earn, yearn and crave for the holiness and righteousness of Jesus. And it reminds us, God, I'm supposed to crave you. I'm supposed to hunger for you. I'm supposed to yearn for your righteousness and your holiness. It's to remind us that God is first in all things. That we would love him. And then when it comes to prayer, he, he goes on and says, that we get alone and shut the door. Doesn't mean we can't pray here in the auditorium, but there should be times when you and I get alone and we pray to, pray to God, right? We're going to talk more about that. But it's time we get in that place where you say, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, as earth as it is in heaven. It's going to take some time to get there. But before we ask God for anything like healing or praying for someone or financial, we get to that job situation or we get to that friend or, or we get to anything at all, we come and say, God, I trust you, that you are my God and I'm your children. And you are holy, righteous, and just. And you are faithful in all that you do and all of your promises. You are my creator. You sustain me. And you hold me up in your hands, and you guide me with your grace and mercy each and every day. And Lord, I come to you this morning, and if the answer is yes, I will trust you. If the answer is no, I will trust you. I will wholeheartedly trust you in all things. Prayer is bringing our hearts in line with his. That's what prayer is supposed to do. It's not me getting my wants and my needs and all those kind of things. It's prayer is I'm lighting my hearts with God's way and his will in my life. Is I'm here to discover, God, your way and your will, not, not my, my wants. That's our prayers. God already knows what he's going to do. It's for you and I to come and say, God, I'm here, yielding my heart to you to find your way and your will in this circumstance so I know what to do. And Jesus said, when you do this, your Father sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. I will give you what you're asking if you give it those motives. I'll give you what you need, what he's saying. For some of us, we say, yes, yes, well, that's great. What's the reward? What's he going to give us? Am I going to get, what what am I going to get for doing all these good things? Am I going to get money? Maybe, or probably not. Is it going to be something emotional? Is it going to be relational? Maybe, maybe, could be. But it's definitely going to be spiritual. That's what he wants to give us. That I draw closer to Jesus, become more like Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus says, we're going to talk about that in another uh, message in this series too. Store up your treasures in heaven. He definitely talks about that, but I think we miss it sometimes. I, I think it comes that where we tell, we come to this powerful knowledge that God is here, that he's right here in this room with us today, that we come to that point where we understand God is right here, and we come to that place in our life that God is here because of how you live, and how you give, and how you pray, and saying, Lord, I know you're here, and I know you're great, and I know you're good. When we get to that place, that's what he's talking about. He wants us to get to that place where we understand that God is here, and I'm giving, and I'm living, and I'm living the life wholeheartedly to you with everything, every aspect of my life. That's where God wants us. That's what Jesus is talking about. You remember the story of David. David was anointed as king, and you remember the story. Samuel was going to Jesse's house to anoint one of his sons as king. But nobody thought it was going to be David. They thought it was going to be one of his older brothers, right? Why would they think that? One, they were older. They were probably bigger. They were probably stronger. They were probably even smarter than David. But they they, they had everything going for them. But God knows the heart, right? While man looks at the outward experience, God knows the heart. And listen to me. As followers of Jesus Christ, God knows your heart. You can fool everyone else. 
God knows your heart. And where's your heart today? How is your heart doing this morning when it comes to these spiritual disciplines? When it comes to giving and praying and fasting and reading your Bibles and serving, is it something you try to skip altogether? God knows your heart. He knows exactly your heart. Are, are you doing those things, but you're doing them to oppress other people so you might get the praise of other people? God knows your heart, if that's what you're doing. He knows your motives. You can fool everyone else. God knows your heart. He knows your motives. And I want to leave you with this thought this morning. It's kind of a simple thought. I'm kind of a simple person. How many have ever heard the game hot or cold? Hot or cold. Let me tell you how the game works. If somebody hides something, then somebody else comes in the room, and they try to find it, and they, they lead them along with these words. They, they look for it, and they say, you're cold. You're getting colder. You're getting colder. You're cold. You're freezing, right? You mean you're going in the wrong direction from the object, right? Or they say, oh, you're getting warm, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're hot. means you're going in the right direction, right by that object, right? And so right now, we're in a minute, we're going to be dismissed, and everyone's going to get in your vehicle, and you're going to go on your way. But God knows your heart. Listen to me. God knows your heart. He knows your motives, knows everything about you. He knows what's on the inside. He knows it better than you do. And sometimes what happens is we get going in our life, we just start getting absorbed by life. We get out there in the world, we leave here at the church, you know, we act one way, we get out there, and we start saying, man, I like the, the like button on Facebook, I want everybody to like me, I want everybody to like me at work. We start to do all kinds of things and act like the world, act like our culture, and being just like the world, and get absorbed in, inside the world. And we're doing all those things to please people. And when that happens in our lives sometimes, what you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit is whispering in your ear, you're getting cold, you're getting colder, getting colder, you're freezing. You're not going in the direction you're supposed to be going. And right now, right now in your own life, you know this. If you haven't been giving, if you haven't been praying, if you haven't been fasting, if you haven't been reading your Bible, if you haven't been serving, you know that. You know the discernment from the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to your heart. He says you're going in the wrong direction. You're going in the wrong direction. You're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And all of a sudden, you slam on the brakes. And you turn around. That's the hope of this whole series. That's what this series is all about, to get you to slam on the brakes and to turn around. And when you turn around, you start toward Jesus. That's what this is all about, the heart of Jesus. That's what this whole series is about, to get your heart. It's not about the thumbs up on Facebook. It's not about the applause of people. It's aligning our hearts with the heart of Jesus. Amen? That's what we want, to align our hearts with the heart of Jesus. Lord, I trust you more than that food that I eat. Lord, I trust you more than that loaf of bread. I worship you. I trust you. And if the answer is no as I pray, I trust you. If the answer is yes, I trust you. And in that place, when you and I get to that place, we're wholeheartedly serving him, living for him, giving to him, and, and reading our Bible and doing all that thing, is we're going to hear the Holy Spirit whisper to us, you're getting warm, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're hot right where you're supposed to be. See, God wants our hearts. That's what this is all about. Jesus is sharing the Sermon on the Mount so you and I can hear it too. He's sharing his heart, the heart of God. We get an opportunity to hear the heart of God. That's what Matthew 5, 6, and 7 about. And he says, I, I'm sharing my heart because I want your heart to align with my heart. God wants our heart more than anything we can give to him. He said, I want your heart first because if you get your heart, I'll get everything else but he wants our heart. And only way you and I are called to live this life 
and to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish in our life and to influence and impact other people, God's got to have your heart. So if you haven't surrendered your heart, surrender it to him today so we can become the individuals God calls us to be. We can also become the church he's called us to be. Amen? Let's give our heart to Jesus. Let's pray. God, we come and we praise you. Because, God, you are wonderful, magnificent, awesome, God. There's no one like you. One who loves us more than we actually love ourselves. The one who came to die on the cross for us to demonstrate your love that you have for us. What grace and mercy that you have. What forgiveness, what love. It's unexplainable. And the depth of your love, Lord, and we can't fathom with this finite mind to say that God loves us is an understatement. He loves us. He loves us with an unconditional love, but not just for today, but for all of eternity. For eternity. He will never stop. He will never change his mind about us. That's the kind of love that our God has. And to understand that love, it causes us to do the one thing, is to fall on our knees and say, God, I surrender. If I pray for the person here who may not know Jesus as their Savior, they come to understand the love of God that he demonstrated by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. And today... They would come and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it comes for all of us, Lord, who know you, who know you, and understand what you did for us, that you died for us. And not only that, but you sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to help us to live the life. But you've given your word, you've given us your heart so we can understand you and know you and walk with you. And so, Lord, we praise you and thank you for your God who loves us, your God who cares. And so, Lord, I pray that every one of us would come this morning, Lord, and, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you because that's what you want. Jesus, you're not satisfied until you get our hearts. You want it all. Not some of us, but you want our all because you know that's what's best for us. That, Lord, when we do our acts of righteousness, Lord, we do them not to be seen by people, but we do them to be seen by you and to glorify and honor you in all that we do. And then when we do them that way, we're rewarded in heaven. We're storing up treasures in heaven. That's what you promised. And so, Lord, I pray that would be our heart's intent. It's not about ourselves. It's not about being praised from other people. Lord, that's so shallow. And that's so short uh, time. But, Lord, we do them for eternal gain. We do them for the applause from you. We do them, Lord, that uh, uh, to make your name shine, for you to get the fame and recognition and honor and glory. Lord, that's why we do them. Lord, I pray that each one of us this morning would surrender our hearts to you and as we sing this next song, Lord, we see what, God, you want to accomplish through us. What you've done, your plan, it's just not about us, and now we go out and live our life any way we want. But, Lord, your plan is so much deeper. It's about your son coming and, and changing us as we put our faith and trust in him from the inside out that we might impact the world and turn the world upside down for Jesus. That's what he wants. And we're only going to accomplish that as we give. Each one of us gives our heart to you, our whole heart. That's what you want. Lord, I pray that would happen this morning. Glorify yourself. Transform us from the inside out. Help us to people who love you and put you first before all things. And Lord, we ask these things in that precious, precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.